Hey everyone, episode 37 of the Hellbass Podcast Experience, and this is a Fantasy Fishing Edge episode. Today we are previewing Lake Fork, Texas Fest, the final event of the 2020 Bassmatch Elite Series season, and we have the Lake Fork guide, Mark McFarland, breaking it down. If you want to learn about Texas bass fishing, if you want to learn about Lake Fork, listen to this episode in its entirety. Enjoy the episode. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, Mike, we are live. We say, so here we are tonight, Sunday night, uh, November 1st, and I believe tomorrow morning uh, the Elite Series anglers take to the lake to start to try to unlock it. Um, yeah. Just for the people in chat, please let us know how the audio and the video is, and if we need to make any adjustments, we'll do that quick. Um, but uh, just for those that uh, are rolling in, um, we got several people in the chat already. That's awesome. Appreciate it. So we have with us tonight Mike McFarlane, and uh, if, if you fish Lake Fork, if you've been there, you probably know him. Uh, you might not know him nationwide, but I kind of ran into Mike's channel by accident a few months ago when I was working on my channel, and he does these amazing, pretty much nearly weekly or every couple day uh, breakdowns on Lake Fork and his guide trips. I think you call them McFarlane's Corner. Is that right? Well, I do a McFarlane's Corner, and I do a McFarlane's Rundown. And, okay, uh, so what's the corner? Give us, give us, what's the difference between the two? So the corner is usually more of a lesson. It's usually entitles a little bit of everything. Kind of, I'll give you a little journal, which is basically a rundown in more detail. Um, the daily rundown, which we used to call it the daily rundown, was such a demand for me to do every day when I'm booked six days a week that it was tough and, and live streaming it every night. So we call it the rundown now, and I keep up on it really fresh. But you give a good rundown every couple, two, three days, covers lake levels, covers the, the fishing, what's really best, what's going on. Um, just a real quick summary. Um, right. Again, so the corner usually is about a 45-minute show, a lesson – and, and the, the rundowns are usually about 10, 15 minutes at the most. Nice. Yeah. So uh, I think it's great because I think if, if you're going to go fish Lake Fork, there is just amazing information. And I would think you could go back. Like if you were going in March, you could probably go back and watch last year's shows at March and get an idea when you should be ready. And then you could watch the, the, the week of shows and, and uh, you know, you go out there and, and you have a tough day, right? You could go back and watch Mike's rundowns and he might be able to point you in the right direction if you, if you couldn't manage to book them before you got down there. Um, but uh, and that's, and that, the whole, and that's the whole point of it. You know, I got everything from lake levels to lake water temperatures. Um, it gives you a little index of, of what's trending, what's been happening. And that can be really important to a fisherman. Um, and I'm really, I'm, I'm in the business to be a guide and take people fishing, but I'm also in the business to help fishermen as a whole. I think this really does help. Um, and I very much enjoy sharing the information. Yeah, Dan says he's been watching you since you did seminars at the LFT. Yeah, I may start that back up again. Um, Ronnie Parker is a really good friend of mine. I love him. And um, coming January, February, we might go ahead and start doing a live stream out of there. I live in the woods, so it's really hard to get live stream down here in the bowl where I live. 
but you know, I love being in the woods. So, but I may do that. That was, that was fun. Tell him thanks for watching all this time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he heard you. Um, and I think the other thing is I don't think it's just limited to Lake Fork. I think, you know, if you live anywhere uh, that's a reservoir with grass and timber, you know, like a lot of East Texas and, and parts of the Southeast, I think there's a lot to learn from what you talk about that you should be able to translate to your home bodies of water. So That's right. My intention is two things that I will, if you don't mind, I'll take this a little bit of of, uh, yeah. of seniority and confidence in what I do is I'm teaching here about Lake Fork most of the time, but it's very general to probably, a, you know, a, a good 100, 150, 200 mile radius around this area. The lakes that are all general, are very familiar to shallow reservoirs in this area, the same weather, the same climate. They're all going to probably fish somewhat dissimilar. Um, I also do the corner again when I said is lessons. Um, man, I grew up on the West Coast. I got 40 years of fishing from all the way from the Columbia River down to Mexico, Bacharach, and El Salto. And so a lot of my lessons are just fishing in general that can apply to everything, even multi-species. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I enjoy it. One of my favorite things to do that I haven't really talked ever much about is, is to fly fish for trout and um, I specialize in all seven species of trout, rainbows, browns, cutthroats, brooks, goldens, apaches, and graylings. And being right here in the heart of the bass fishing, Texas, is it's hard to leave these green ones, but I do love the trout, too. Yeah. How did how'd you get into being a guide at Lake Park? What's the, how long have you been doing it, and how, what was the path to get there? So I've had seven seasons now. It took four, almost five, to really have an established business. Um, there's a lot of competition here. You need to fit in. There were some things that I had to learn, and I had never, ever been to Forks. So I had the first couple of years really discovering and learning the lake. And I'll tell you, anybody that knows it anyway has fished it, it's a beast. Um, I think it's one of the very best lakes for any youngster. Uh, 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 these days, a young FLW college kid, uh, if he made this as his home base and did homework here and perfected his fishing here, would go on to be one of the best of the best. Um, I presume – not to be judgmental because he's one of our guides, but for example, Lee Livesey, um, he's an animal. He is just an animal and he can romp and tromp all 30 miles of this lake and, and do things in any scenario that's necessary because he grew up here. Um, I, I don't necessarily give him the edge in this coming up and coming tournament, but I do. If it's tough, he's going to have the edge. Um, but overall, the fishermen like him, this youngins, um, they just are, the energy and what they can put out and do is, is phenomenal. If they learn on a lake like Lake Fork, they can fish anywhere in the U.S. And, and their, their skills are, are, are so strong and versatile that they dominate. Let's, uh, when I came to Lake Fork my first two years, I had a long time of fishing, and I considered myself very much a professional. And I was so humbled that I thought I maybe made the biggest dis- failed decision of my life um it it, uh, it took a long time for me to get my hands around this lake yeah i actually my dad and i and a group of our friends went down there for quite a few years in like the mid to late 90s um we just we would make like a, a march april spring trip it started when we would like we'd go to like missouri and then we kept going further south and then we hit lake fork and we just kept on going back um and the first couple of years, there were many times where it was, like you said, it was it was humbling and 
but then you'd work at it and you'd unlock something and you'd be rewarded. And then, you know, year after year, you'd kind of put it together and then you really get to understand what a, what a true treasure Lake Park can be. So, you know, and I've seen it stick its fangs in people, meaning good things that does to them almost like to get them to come here. And I mean this to be kind of silly. I, I'm not into that kind of superstition, but it, it almost seems like it, it wants to grab a hold of you and say, come on, move here. And, and once you're here, boy, it'll show you how humbling it can make you. Drive. <laughs> I've got some great stories of, of first timers that have really just caught the heck out of them by accident, even. And, and then other first timers that it seems like Lake Fork just is telling you you're unwelcome. I don't want you here. <laughs> um, you know, fishing, fishing anywhere. All lakes are very unique and all lakes have their, their ups, their downs. Um, Lake Fork, as I just stated a bit ago, is a true beast in the elements that is thrown at it. The north, south, east, west changes of winds and the just the boy, I've never seen a lake like it. It goes from being the goat lake, the greatest of all times, to potentially uh -huh. the lake, the potentially, and I mean this is funny, the woat lake, the worst of all times. You know, it just it sometimes is tear you up, it sink your boat, put a hole in it, and, and send you home crying to mama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not the easiest lake to navigate when you first get there if you're not used to that type of uh, body of water. It's getting worse. It's getting worse because everything's breaking off underwater. So it right. looks like you can do anything you want and you can't. Um, and as you know, when the lake is full, it's probably the most safe and people are making a lot of mistakes, but nothing's happening. The lake is full. Um, when it gets down to two feet, you can't see it, but it's there. Um, it looks like you can just go and it, it, you just can't. And so the more of those things when it gets aged, it's almost 40 years. I think it is 40 years now. Um, the more dangerous it really gets. Uh, when you had the full standing timber in there, you actually had references of things that you went by that you drove by. And, uh, you know, I've never saw it in this condition, but I certainly learned from my peeps and peers here and, and what brought me here, you know, kind of straight off that question, it's the number one lake in the nation for a lot of reasons. Um, you would think, you know, if the Berkeley event wasn't fishing very well, how could it be the number one lake? Or why does Mike McFarland call it the Goat Lake? First of all, if you don't know this, 54 of the top 75 Texas bass come from this lake. 54 of them. Mm -hmm. um, that's three quarters. That That's incredible. Three quarters or more of the biggest bass that caught in Texas come from Lake Fork. With all the lakes of Texas, that says a lot. Moreover, eight of the top 10 biggest, that means 80%, 80% of the biggest bass in Texas come from this lake. That's what makes it the Gold Lake. It grows them fast. It still has them out there. Um, and you never, ever know when, even by accident, that's coming your way. Um, that's what makes a tournament like this potentially who knows you know the 2016 brent ayler won it with a 10 pounder on the last day um that's what this one's going to be about in my opinion this one's going to be grind um i do think there's two ways to catch them shallow and deep and it depends on how they approach the, the whole deal and, and who's willing to stay with the grind and not shuffle normally you might shuffle i don't think there's going to be a shuffle i think it's going to be a commitment this time to just finish limits so yeah, but Lake Fork, man, one of these guys could find something offshore still, and just everybody say, "Oh my gosh, you what?" Yeah. You know, an Alabama, an Alabama rig under some deep bait somewhere just could absolutely be the home run that you cannot imagine. Um, it's there, but I, I don't expect it this time. So yeah, the only problem is they they can't throw the A rig. 
That's why I said it. I don't expect it. Um, I've got a, a bunch of stuff out that I'm going to be doing a little lesson talking about slow rolling some spinner baits and things like that, big spinner baits. And with clients, that's a little easier than throwing an Alabama rig. Um, but, you know, Lake Fork got me because of the fact that it's a goat lake, all those big fish. And I realized that it's, you know, 29,000 surface acres. In the season, there can be up to 80 to 100 guides there. Man, if the guy knew how to treat people right, if the guy recognized that, yes, fishing is fishing, but customer service is more important in this business. You are in customer service. You know how to take care of people, have your equipment right, clean. Then maybe you could come in there and get a little piece of that, find your, your way to shuffle in and, and make it there. And so today, very humbly, all of this together has come together. My Facebook, the corner, the, the rundown, even you, thank you for inviting me on your show. Um, I feel very blessed, very lucky to get to do what I'm doing. And I feel like I've, I've maybe earned to a degree. We never deserve anything in life, but um, my place here on Lake Boy. Um, and yeah. I certainly, I certainly know the fish and, um, and we catch them when we catch them and we don't when we don't. So I just, I love to see people catch. I love to see their hat get turned. They don't even know it. They look like, you know, they're goofy and, and, and they're just having a time of their life catching these big old five and six, seven pound bass. That's uh, like Yeah. <clears throat> Before we get into the specifics of like what's going to happen in November here, what would you say you're typical? Like, do you get a lot of like avid anglers do you get a lot of new anglers do they want to like just catch a ton of fish do you get a lot of trips where they want to just catch big ones and pbs like what what's kind of the mix or the, the typical clientele you you get or if you, if you could break it down into like pies awesome question obviously most people coming to lake fork want the big fish um it's up to me to number one put them on fish that they can catch um uh you know for example if a guy's just learning how to use a bait caster and, and the best bite out there is throwing an alabama rig on it it's probably not so easy to teach him maybe it is maybe it isn't um so again I, first thing first is i gotta kind of assess what they can do what they can't um and i don't have to make that real obvious but just and then it's up to me like this as a teacher or coach to to try and put them on fish that suit that nature so that they catch something um, a lot of fishermen understand fishing. They're very skilled. They're just like a, a seasoned hunter. And, and I, I usually try and set the expectation early. And if it's reasonable, um, that won't reset it. If I have to reset it, then I may reset it in a direction. But guys know that fishing's fishing. We can take our, our focus on hitting the home run. And this is where I'm trying to say. Um, just like deer hunting, a man can go sit in a tree stand I can't anyways, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if I don't see anything, you know, I'm going to go back Thursday and all of a sudden Friday, guess what? You know, I just shut my big buck and, and that's really can be an approach in the nature of big bass fishing. So the variation of clients is a mix. I have beginners that just need to catch fish. It doesn't matter whether they're two pounders, five pounders, or hopefully they do catch a few big ones. I have some very skilled anglers that want to focus and they'll fish all day for one bite with me. Um, and a lot of times that's more strategic, like high percentage locations. Um, I had the neatest thing a client commented a while back. We were targeting just big, big fish, movements of big fish, how they go from place to place. And, and, and we had put the boat in a specific spot. And he said, Mike, it just hit me. I get what you're doing. He said, if you dried up the lake right now, the boat position where we were would you know, go down to the bottom. 
it'd be a great place for me to put a tree stand for my you know, deer hunting. It, it was a conflict. It was a path. It was it just it made sense. It clicked. And, and so um, that's when they're moving when they're transitioning. That's what we were looking for. And so I think I'm starting to get lost just a little bit for some reason. Um, uh, man, I'm sorry. Yeah. So you, you get a big cross section and you, you kind of cater to all both novice. Exactly. Yes, and, exactly. And and I've got some guys that say I want to throw some giant swim baits, Mike. And if they are skilled and I know they're not just, you know, hoping they want, they saw it and want to do it. Even then, if they want to do it, maybe we give them a little taste of it. They've never, ever done it before. We give them a little small taste of it. They're skilled of it. We make a massive milk run in the right, you know, March and April, and we throw nothing but big glide baits and swim baits. Um, I find uh, if I could do, if I could do this, I'd love to tell a story. My favorite story of all is I had a beginner that called a nice gentleman. He said he'd never fished before in his life. And he said, Mike, is this appropriate? You know, it, it, it seems a little expensive. It's not. It's not out of my price range to, for entertainment. But, man, if I've never ever fished before, is this something I'm wasting my money on? Right. At the time, this was, this was June, and we were throwing football jigs, three-quarter ounce football jigs. They were eating it really good in the shell beds. Man, that's a perfect thing to teach somebody on. No-brainer. And so I told him, yes, sir, come on, let's go. I'm going to tell you, this is the God's honest truth. I've got video of this man catching five bass in a row. And the first fish, is, the first fish is five pounds, four ounces. The last is eight something, and he is hooting and hollering and saying, "Oh my gosh, Mike! Oh my gosh, Mike!" You know, and laughing. That's five. That's five in a row, in a row, in a row. And he is having buck fever, like your buddy just shot a big buck. First time ever, his best five went over thirty pounds. I mean, come on, you're a bass fisherman. You imagine your first time went like that? I just That's caught a bass when I was a kid and I was hooked. 30 pounds, you know, he fishes with me all the time now. It's uh, it's fork. So those are the roots that fork will put in you, make you fall in love with it. Yeah. You know, Mark Pack told me one time, he said, you can go out and fish a tree in Lake Fork, a deep tree, for two hours and not get nothing. Four hours and not get nothing. Go in and have a 30 minute lunch, go back out that same tree and throw that same bait again. And it is game on and get your arm hurt um, and catch 25 fish from that tree. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here's a, here's a good question from the bait man. Can you explain the difference between boat lanes and then versus like Creek channels on, on Lake Fork? Yes. So there's two things. There's a boat lane ships that you can buy. All right. Anybody that's in these days, you're starting to see more of them out. Um, I suggest highly the Lance Vic boat lanes. It's safe. It's been around a long time. It's tried, trued, and you will not wreck your boat running them. Now, the most important thing to focus on is that when you put these into your sonars, you're going to see these lanes, lines to follow, trails. All right. When you get your boat on the water, if those trails have buoys, Buoy to buoy, you're pretty darn safe. In essence, it's the same as the buoy line. Those trails that stray off of those buoy lines, those trails that run up into those creeks, man, those trails are running sometimes through hazards like threading the needle. All right, if you don't have all the hazard marks, if you're not familiar with those, and if you don't know how to run a trail and be on that trail, right, you can't float around, you can't make mistakes in turns. All right. You need to make sure that you maybe if you need to learn how to run your trail tight in the boat lanes. 
Mm-hmm. If, if you realize you're on your trail good in the boat lanes, then you can start to stray and run those other lanes that can take you back into places. But I would tell you, you're asking for it. Um, and again, a lot of those those creek runs, they used to have the trees still standing. And right. so they were running by those trees and, and it gave them references. And that's how those were made. Um, now they're underwater. And for example, I've got the marks on my graph. I have all the black hazards and I'm running, threading the needle many, many times. Um, it's, right. it's a there's, so there's natural lanes where the creeks are, where the water just gets deeper and the trees are either not there or they sit low enough in the water, right? Did they also some cut do, lanes? Yeah. And some right. of them Did do, some don't. You know, the lake is so shallow that a lot of them, even out in 50 feet of water, are still, they're big oak trees and, and all kinds of stuff. And so even those mouths of those creeks where you would think maybe you could run right up the middle, you can't. You just mm-hmm. can't. You're, you're really, you know, you need to buy a boat lane ship. Um, there's, like I said, I know of two versions. Uh, Stephen Fotheray makes a version and Lance Vick makes a version. And, and I'm sure there's some others out there. Um, I know Garmin comes with it. Um, but again, just ask yourself when you're running, if you're in the buoys, man, those buoys are pretty safe. Yeah. If you're running, if you're running a lane that has no buoys, you better know what you're doing. Right. Those are called guide lanes. So it's what we call them as a guide lane. And, you know, I, I run some guide lanes. I got one guide lane that I love to run and I veer off it just a little bit. And when I get done, usually one of my clients will say, sir, did you see that stump? And I just pretend I go, stump, did we go by a stump? And they'll say, man, that stump was two feet from the left of the boat. I said two. And I'll pretend I say two, two feet, two feet. And they'll say, yeah, two feet. You got to be kidding me. They'll say, I know you didn't see it. I go, no, no, no. As long as it was two feet, we're good. Cause I had one on my side too. <laughs> <laughs> we just run right through it um you know and that, at 60 miles an hour that'll make somebody a little nervous at 60 miles an hour make a mistake and buddy you got problems so yeah so so dan what's asked a question here what's, what's funny real quick if i could just say one thing and then we got what's really funny is you want to see something amazing something that'll blow your mind now the mlf anglers did it and i'm sure the the elites will too some of these guys will just run it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. They will just go. Uh, Ishman Rowe went to the back of Running Creek, went under the bridge, and lit up and went. And, I, I mean, just, it's amazing he didn't hit anything. It's a miracle he didn't hit anything, but he did it two or three, four times um, during the event. So some of them will just will just run. I don't recommend you do that. <laughs> it's a calculated risk. So we do the same thing up here on the upper Mississippi River, and it's either you either idle with your trim or jackplate all the way up, or you go full out with nothing in the water, and you just put as little in the water as possible, and and you just you just said it. You just said it. calculated risk, and and uh, you know it's it at that level. Some of it's worth it. And for the you know weekend warrior, don't don't do that to yourself. Yeah, the weekend warriors don't have the service trailers that the, the big tours have. That's right. They don't, and they don't get the product for free, and and, uh, and not necessarily all the pros get it for free either. But they, they just it's it's, it's a different game. Yeah, so your, your insurance won't, uh, your insurance will only put up with a little bit of it. <laughs> yeah, Dan asked about uh, unders versus overs. So the unique thing about this event, Dan, is that they weigh and release on a scale for this tournament. So they don't they don't have to worry about overs and unders and slot for this tournament. It will be weighing on a calculator. Every every pro has their own scale, and I, 
I, they've been not doing Marshall, but I'm assuming they must have. So I don't know. I haven't heard what they're doing for this event. But for the past for the past TTBCs, which were the Texas Toyota Bass Classic, which now I think it's a little different name, the Texas Toyota Fest. Um, Texas. I, they've always had the the judges. Um, it's mm-hmm. only three days, not four days, like the like all the other elite tournaments. Um, I'm pretty sure that I just saw a post on Facebook that they were looking for judges. So it allows them guests to have paper tournament. Uh, there's a judge, no co-angler. Um, it's just the pros and they get credit for everything they catch. Obviously top five fish, five heaviest fish. Um, so there's going to be um, a lot of, of everything caught. Um, I said, I assume Dan, in my opinion, they'll probably be lightweights for what we're used to seeing Lake Fork produce um, in the springtime from the elite anglers and things when they usually fish in May. Um, those are big, big sacks, post-spawn sacks, um, but you're still going to see Lake Fork fish pretty good. Somebody out there, these guys, they're going to put it together and catch them. Yeah, because so we just had a big Berkeley Big Bass tournament, right? Yes. And I look at the results. Was there only one over brought in? There was, and that's common, though. We just went through the turnover. Um, mm-hmm. We had about three weeks or more of a, a really uncommon turnover. It kind of came and went. In fact, there's still some water out there that doesn't look good, but I assure you that the pros will will see that and stay away from some of that. It's, it's very minor now. It's a very minimum amount. The lake's about ready to open up. Um, the backwaters had a little zap and some rain for four days, lost about 10 degrees of temperature, and as soon as everything goes back into there, it's it, it's Lake Fork green, gorgeous colored. So the backwaters are going to go off, too. It looks like the next 10 days of weather are good. You're probably going to see, aside from a moon that we're going away from, um, they're right in the middle of moon cycles. So they're still going to catch them. And I think it's going to be a, not necessarily a slugfest, um, but it's, it's going to be better than it was for Berkeley. And if not... <laughs> And um, I really feel for them because it's going to be, if it's anything, if it fishes like it did for Berkeley, and I want to be the pessimist, not, you know, I want to be positive. If it fishes like Berkeley, they're going to struggle to break limits. Um, it was, Berkeley was, ugly. Berkeley was just ugly. And, and when lakes turn over, that happens. So, yeah. So yeah. we're kind of hoping that Berkeley was rock bottom and we're, we're coming out of it and just matter how quickly we're coming out of it. Right. <laughs> Me being a fishing guide on the lake, I'm the one that would be able to kind of really help you place this or, or answer that question. I think we're perfect. I think we are. I want this. I want them all to catch them. I want it to showcase Lake Fork in the fall. I think that November fishes very well um, in the history of it. It does, but a lot of people are hunting. They just don't really put together the, Hey, I can go to Lake Fork. Um, I, I would like it for all of us guides that are still full time here. We could use the, the, the clients to take you out and show you it's gorgeous. The lake tends to be uh, less traffic, so it's more on your own, and it fishes well. So for the sake of them, pros not having to grind, man, I used to be one of those pros, not necessarily a lead angler. I never made it that far, but I do know what the grind is, and I don't want them all to have three days of, of nightmare grind. I'd love to see them beat them up. I'd love to see the bags be a little bit bigger, but I'm guessing 50 to 55 pounds is could potentially be the, the, the lighter side and 60 pounds somewhere, 60, 64 pounds wins this one. Um, three, is it a three day? Three day, three day. So that's 20, 22 pound average a day is what I'm guessing. I was thinking last year was a four day tournament though. And it's not, it's just a three day. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. So you're still thinking that the winner's going to have 20 pounds a day. 
which I mean is not great. I still think no matter what, you know, even on when leg fork's tough. Now the top four or five guys, there's going to be somebody that they may have a big bag one day. Do they produce it two days in a row? I don't think so in the fall. But again, we're almost stage where it could come out of this funk. Um, I just looked some backwater over yesterday and some lily pad fields. And then the greenness in the water was gorgeous. It was perfect. There's no more turnover, um, but there's no baiting there because we lost 10 degrees. So it tells me that bait's just out there in those ditches. That bait pulled out to those creek bottoms, not far. And, and as soon as it kind of acclimates and settles, there's nothing wrong with 60 degrees, 60 degrees bass right. bite. So, yeah, typically that's, you know, that's when they start to turn back on, right? That's uh, that's what I'm saying. So this really could be, we are, you know, bass may get lucky. This could end up being all about of them, these guys beating them up. Um, I hope so. Like, I don't think the big sacks are still going to come out. I don't think the big fish are going to wake up where we see, you know, 30 pound sacks. It's not going to take 90 pounds to win this thing. Yeah, we're not going to see uh, East Holmes 117 pounds for three days. No way. <laughs> No way, no way, no way. Now, you're going to see some big fish. It's Lake Fork. Somebody's going to bring an A big fish one day or two. Um, I think somebody like Elite Livesey, you know, if, again, to be funny, if they could throw the Alabama rig, I'll say it now that I, I've recognized and I forgot that's not in the game. It's a good thing they can't throw that because um, in this case, that would be that would be the this, that's all this one would be about. Sure. Somebody in some deep bait, somebody on some deep bait. Now, of course, a spoon can do it too. So a Kelly Jordan right now um, could be dangerous. This go. Yeah, he's not in it, but <laughs> he's an MLF. Don't have to worry uh, about him. <laughs> yeah. so, so what, like when you're guiding, what's what's like the average size quality fish you're gonna? Get? What do you guys see throughout the year right now? Uh, what I like to do is I call, I have a great saying, say anything under four pounds is a cookie cutter. Um, okay. four, four to seven pounders is a Lake Fork special because that's what we commonly catch the most of, four to seven pound fish. Um, and then a seven to a 10 pounder is a big one. And then obviously a double digit anything over 10, we call it a giant or a double digit. Um, this time of year, catch a lot of cookie cutters, a lot of three, three and four pound fish. Um, I don't know where the real big fish, they just become elusive for some reason in that August, what I call August dog days of summer. They have become elusive on Lake Mead in, in uh, Nevada, uh, in California lakes. It doesn't matter where you are. That dog days of summer, those big fish, that's why they're doing this study uh, with, with these chips. Yeah. Where do these fish go? Um, so I still don't see them probably until the end of November, December, when it starts to really get near the cold, 50, 55 degree, 58 degree water. Then I see those big fish show up again. Yeah. Um, I know you were talking about how Fork has like 80% of the biggest bass, you know, in, in the, this year, but only one of those fish came in November. <laughs> yeah, only one. So yeah. they just disappear. Um, it's almost like, like I said, even Lake Mead amazes me. Um, you can go to Lake Mead in the spring and catch a 20-pound sack regularly, 16 to 20-pound sacks. They, you've ha they've had the, the U.S. Open hauled out of Lake Mead between July, September, and October now for over, I think, 30-something years, whatever, maybe almost 40 years. It's never been over like 33 pounds for three days. Right. 11, 11 pounds a day. It's just where did the big fish go? Where did the four- and five-pound bass go? Um, and that's the big fish in those lakes, four-, five-, six-pound bass. So the mature fish – that's the key word to say this, that the eight, nine, 10 pound fishing fork, the four, five, six pound fishing need. When they get to that hottest peak of summer, 
the dog days, and then for some reason they disappear. We don't see them again until uh, the statistics, the books, all the sh- the records until around December. You'll see them Sherlockers yeah. showing up around December, the eggs and everything else, and they're eating again. Um, don't know why. I'm hoping some studies will show. In fact, some of the studies are. If you haven't seen it, go look. It's pretty cool. They're already putting videos out about these these tagged fish, um, and they're realizing they're going nowhere. They're right there. They're uh-huh. doing nothing. They're doing nothing, almost like going up next to wood and, and just staying there for days without doing anything. So when we're thinking they're gone, they're not gone. They just went lethargic. Um, like maybe yeah. a bear. I can't answer Mike, it yet, but really intriguing watching the study. When you fiddle with your tackle, it's not good for the sound. But <laughs> I'm sorry. When you, this is not a big deal. That, but uh, so I wrote in my article that I really think like, just based on what I know, I, I really feel like people will do well in this tournament from literally what one to two feet out to like 30, right? I mean, they're going to be everywhere in between, right? I mean, it's, they're scattered, right? That's part of the problem, right? They're not grouped up. That's exactly it. And when the turnover happens, usually it makes them go shallow for a little while. Then everything settles and they'll roll back deep. So you have this transition of the fish going in, going out. We've had, if you, if anybody takes a look at, at my corners and my rundowns, you'll see that there's just been this up and down the lake rising three, four inches. Then it starts to drop again, rising, dropping, rising, dropping over the past probably eight weeks. And all that does is rising water rises fish, pulling water points them out. Um, if you think about it this way in fall, if the bait wants to go in, temperatures fall, all those things wanting to go up in and the water's dropping, you kind of have conflict here. And so falling water points fish out. This thing's going to be from one foot on main lake points to, to 30 foot on main lake points. Um, it literally. And it's, again, it's a junk fish situation. Guys that are good at junk fishing and keeping their head down and fishing, not being discouraged at noon with only one bite, um, the right ditch around the corner could be, boom, four bites and you're done for the day. Um, so, yes, you're right. It's very scattered. Um, but, again, it, it's changing, and I really like the outlook of the weather. If you look ahead the next seven days, the outcome, it's a warm trend. It's a, it's a balance it's 70s and 50s it's right where we should be it's those beautiful november days um i suspect there'll be some good fishing for a handful of the anglers you know it's fork so to be real square with you even when the lake fishers why even when keith combs was whacking them and so was stetson blaylock there was still a lot of the field that couldn't even get bit um, and that's fishing in general, but that's the beast that Lake Fork is capable of doing to anybody. Um, in 2014, I watched Kevin Van Dam practice, and he was doing a 10 XD crankbait. And so I played, will be all four days at three o'clock. So this is a four day. Event. There is four. They did make this a four day event. Yeah. Impressive. Well, that is now that is one more day than they normally do, which is terrific. They, I think they switched. When it was the the TW, you know, when it was run by Texas Wild, but it was three day. When it became Texas Fest as part of Bass, is when they went to four days. I think. So I see this here that lives lives say predicts the low eighties. So that's um, what he's basically saying the same thing you are, just four days instead of three days. So exactly. Yep. Um, that's cool to know. I did not know. I now I know for a fact of the 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 
fest were only three days so in the past so please forgive me for that guys but i'm grateful that it's four i like to see that it spreads it out a little bit more i think it makes in these tough conditions it gives everybody a little more fair shot too a bunch of guys aren't going home and right off the get go yeah, last year they had a week they had two days and then they had like a, a festival day and then two more days no festival this year um david douglas i think uh mike said the water temps are in the 60s right now right Yep, that's exactly right. They just dropped down. They were on Monday when I fished. They were sixty nine, and the other day when I fished, it was down to sixty after the four days of rain. So on Saturday it was down to sixty. Backwaters and main lake. So, if you were fishing a tournament like this, what what uh, what what where would you start? Would you start offshore? Would you start shallow? What what kind of? I mean, without getting specific, right? Uh, what um, you kind of like? What kind of fish would you be looking for? I would go right now with what I would go up into the Greeks. Um, okay. My first, what, what, and the reason being is, is we can't throw the Alabama rig. Right. Um, if I could throw the Alabama rig, I'd, I would find the big schools of bait offshore and I would literally be the home run hitter. I, I'm going to be the batter number four that the team tells them swing. If you miss it and strike out, we don't care. That's what I'm going to tell myself. I'm going to throw the Alabama rig under the deep schools of bait. And uh, if, I, if I get into the right school, it, it changed the game, changed the game because right. I could get into the five, six, eight pounders. So I'm going to stay shallow. I'm probably going to run docks. Um, I'm going to fish the in-between docks with moving baits like square bills, 1.5, small spinner baits, uh, rattle traps. And then, I'm, of course, I'm going to flip the docks pretty hard um, and look for birds and bait. Um, docks, docks and shorelines with birds and bait. Bag's going to be light, 16 pounds if I'm lucky. I don't think I can win that way, but I could cash a check that way. Yeah. So can you – is it not feasible to, to catch these big offshore bait fish with a, a big single swim bait? Does it just not work? Or it could be. It could be. I don't think it's as effective, and I personally don't see the you know the effectiveness and that that you're already going to you know throw. It's a, like lottery. It's like slots. Uh, throwing the Alabama ring. If I throw 800 casts, uh, I'm likely to get five bites. Um, right. You know, may not see those odds with a single swim bait i do see however um potentially to add to my plan uh, if i was to say start the morning out and run some shallow areas and have a good limit say on a light spinner bait get a 16 pound sack pretty quick you might find me offshore on that big schools of bait with a spoon um a big seven inch flutter spoon uh, because it could easily, again, I could come across one of those 10 pounders, no problem. If I come across a school of those big fish, uh, it's a day that it's a game changer. So. What, what's the grass situation on fork right now? Minimum, um, they've done a lot of spraying, as they've done everywhere. Um, but there's still grass. There's still more, there's more duckweed or what I call, pe it's pepper grass, duckweed. Um, it doesn't hold it as much. I really think in the spring, it's good. The shad spawn in it. But in the fall, I haven't seen them use it as much. The, um, the little bits of grass that are available is enough for the pros. Um, it's not lake wide, but there'll be some grass that definitely has a big part of this game. There'll be some lily pads that have a big part of this game. Um, again, so, I really don't uh, think those are going to produce big sacks, though. On your boat, or do you do you use LiveScope or Mega360 or anything like that on your boat? I do not. Um, I'm in the transition. I'm very disappointed in Lawrence, and I'm not afraid to say it. Um, I have a Lawrence all my life. I started with Lawrence when I was eight years old. The Skeeter boats that I get come out with Lawrence until two years ago, and, and apparently Lawrence lost their Skeeter deal. 
And um, so I was forced to kind of make a change. Um, I feel like that I really do like the hummingbirds. I haven't gone to the 360 yet, and I need to and will be doing that. Um, that's my best answer to that. I'm, I'm kind of in a limbo situation where for the first time in my life, I'm not on the leading edge of electronics, and that's usually what I do the best. Um, I was it was a good question by David in the chat. It made me think, like, if you were really going to chase that deep bait game, I wonder if that live scope could be a game changer for you. you Absolutely. Know? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can predict, you know, you know where to cast, you know where to target. Uh, again, increasing the odds. Incre anything. That's what makes Jacob Wheeler so dangerous. He's using all four of those, or all three of the units. Um, and and uh, each one has a special thing that's that's better than another. And, and there's no doubt that the live scope, the Garmin live scope is, in my opinion, much better than, than the, the Lowrance. Um, it's more true. But I think that the 360, and I, I haven't seen this, so I'm just kind of going on homework that I've studied. I think the 360 is catching up and being in its own special way because it's 360, not just this little window. Um, it's equally important. Um, and absolutely, anybody that's strong, we're becoming the new – Bass age is it's the gamers, the kids, you know, those windows of kids that that played video games that were so good at it. Now, these if you can play video games and you can bass fish that way, you can dominate. Um, I just yeah. talked about running some docks. All right. So my plan would I'd be running I'd be running a light little spinner bait. Uh, in between docks and every time I'd come to a dock right now, I would have a pattern of, of baits that I would pitch until I, until I knew where they were on those docks. I mean, you just shine your garment in there and say, okay, they're on the inside girders or they're on the outside edges. Uh, if they're on the inside girders, I'm throwing a weightless sinkle or fluke. If they're on the outside edges. I'm throwing a jig and bumping all the corners. So it, it is a game changer. Um, mm -hmm. It's also, it's also why you can't predict what's going to happen. The Lake Fork full of giant, giant fish. Somebody gets out there and uses that and puts together five bites by putting their head down and live scoping brush piles and, and, and only taking five. I, I don't know, man. You make me think this, this could be anybody's game. It really is. It's a whole nother way to play. We got, yeah, crappie, for sure. we got crappie guides right now that'll take you out there, show you a school of crappie, 30, 50 in the school. And they'll on the screen, They'll play with the clients and tell you which one do you want me to catch, and they'll take it away from all the fish that they don't want to catch, and they play a game until they catch the one they want out of a school of fifty. So if a bass guy's getting good with that stuff out there, goes down some sections, doesn't has to flip a thousand stumps, he shines it on and picks the stumps that have bass. It could be deadly. Yeah, my my dad he he's got Garmin. He he does a fair amount of bass fishing. He does a lot of crappie fishing on falcon. And he yeah. said, it's, it's literally, he's like, you just find them, right? And then he's like, you drop down your jig and you either change the profile of your plastic or you change the color and you do the couple things and you'll catch them. It's just like, once you know they're there, it's just, you just switch until you get them to bite. <laughs> you get to see all kinds of things. Like I was just telling, a friend of mine was telling me that he saw big bass come through his crappie deal while they were crappie fishing. So he decided to tie a big swim bait. And he said he'd throw it down there and that bass would get behind and follow the swim bait up to the boat every time. As soon as it'd see the boat, it'd turn around and roll back down there. He'd throw the swim bait back down there, get the swim bait going, and he'd follow the swim bait back to the boat, but never eat it. So it, very much a game changer. I presume 
eventually somebody's going to put that together so well, they may outlaw that like the Alabama rig too. <laughs> because yeah. again, think about it right in the fall, I'm the spring, early spring. I'll run some specific areas, hundred yard banks where there's, 200 stumps and and the right stumps hold the right fish so i go along and i tell my client fish you know picture that stump picture that stump picture this stump by the end of 200 yards we may have pitched uh, 100 stumps if i can go in there with that unit and just shine like a flashlight on each stump and say no 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 oh yep that there's a bass i'm how much more efficient am i So, again, the details of what a pro is willing to do and how his head puts his head down and goes to work today in 2020 bass fishing is so different than the old days. Um, It's amazing. I think someone out there, yes, in the beginning of the question, the Garmin is a game changer. I'm with someone off school, offshore. How do you know whether there's a big fish down there underneath that ball of bait? My graph blacks out. I see a ball of bait. That says, all right, I want to fish. I don't know what's under there. You will with Garmin. Yeah, mission. I mean, like you think about like these these guys like Zaldane, right? Yeah, and he he he's the kind of person that would be willing to commit to it. But this particular event, he's in a he's just inside the cut line, so he cannot really, you know, his classic berth for next year, which also is in Texas, is on the line. So he, you know, I don't feel like he can really afford to just commit to the swim bait. He's got to put some fish in the boat every day. That's, that's um, exactly it, and that's the thing that really changes the whole outcome. Um, what can they do? What are they financially? Some can't willing to, they, you know, they they've got to bring home a check to feed their kids, and you got to respect that. These men aren't there for fun. Most of these men are there to feed their families. This is their job, and that's why they're going to find something. They're going to be on the water from light to dark, probably dark to dark, practicing. They're going to look in places that others don't. They're going to exhaust themselves to find anything at all that they can because they're going to put food on the table. And, and, and that's a misconception across the U.S. about bass fishing. They're not just there for fun. You know, they're not. They're true athletes, and they're amazing. Somebody will catch them. Um, so I hope Lake Fork shows out. I hope Lake Fork uh, is, again, not to be redundant. We're not going to see a, a wow factor of heavy bags. But there will be a wow factor along the way where somebody catches a, you know, a 10 pound fish or, or, or something. Some there's going to be or, a- or one day they have a freak show bag, right? They may not do it all three days or four days. But. Exactly right. 30, might, might bang for 35 pound bag one day and, and then, you know, hardly have anything the next. Um, that's that happens this time of year too. Yeah, I mean, we even saw that with uh, Chad Pipkins back in May last year. So, right. He had two exactly. huge days and then just fell off like a, the planet. Yeah. So, and that's the other thing. I hope they don't get hit with a cold front because these Florida strain. I'm a guide here, and if, that's my nemesis. Um, I, I, I've catch fish in different conditions, transitions, always tough. But the worst thing that these Florida strain get is a cold front, and they're just sissy little girls. They just don't like the sun bathe, and, and, and they don't go to the swimming pool if the sun ain't shining. So um, they just really are. They, they're very finicky girls, and uh, the F1 Florida strain does not like cold fronts. So I would love to see the warm trending that's happening the next several days, and it's going to make a difference, at least for practice. For sure. Yeah, some people are talking about Cox and uh, electronics. So he's always had electronics on his boat. He's always yeah. been really heavily dependent on mapping. It's just certain years he doesn't use much of his sonar or side scan, but uh, yeah. he's definitely dependent on the mapping. So there's just some conversation about John Cox in the chat. So, you know, and he's great. He, I think he does really good with, with everything in the way he teaches and very, uh, 
very impressive. Yeah, I mean, this, this type of event, what you described, definitely could definitely fit his type of fishing for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. So you don't necessarily play fantasy fishing, but you you follow tournament fishing to some degree, right? Cool. Uh, so I do who, who are some names, you know, without going bucket by bucket, who are some anglers that you think really – you know, you know, if this was, uh, you know, you were laying down odds in Vegas. Who are, who would be some of your, uh, your fans? Man, that's a tough one for me. Cause I don't with the new elites because it's so sure. new now, I'm not as fresh with them. Um, I, I obviously, you know, Zaldane, he's, he's a home, he's a home favorite for me being a Santone pro as well. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see Zaldane shine. Um, Clifford Perch, Clifford Perch is one of my great friends. I kind of grew up with him and, and, uh, I'm from the West coast. I'd love to see him shine in this, um, hometown favorite. Um, to be honest with you, if I was going to, if somebody said, my, if you, if you made it more simple question to me, you're rooting for one. I would love to see Mr. Livesay come in and have two wins one season. The guy is an animal. He serves it. His heart is passion. It's his life, his love. Um, he is very capable of it, and I think that if somebody, if, I, I would just, I would like to see that. Um, it, it would be huge, huge, huge. Two wins in one season is phenomenal. Um, and, but man, you got so many good guys out there. Brandon Palnick's still fishing now, and it, he's a dangerous all the time. So, um, and you know, um, who's the guy that won just the last time they were here? Uh, uh, Brandon Cobb. Yes, Cobb. I mean, you know, this one's staged up for, for a Cobb-type fishing too shallow. If he finds that jerk bait, you know, not necessarily the same, but that shallow, schooled-up fish where he can hit him with a jerk bait or a moving bait, um, there will be some moving baits in the backwaters that, that the guys, I just don't know how many fish they're going to find. I don't sure. know they're going to find four days' worth of fish. Um, so catch them one day and the fish are moving so much that they're not going to be there the next. Um, but yeah, I would like to say that, that's the best I could say. You know, Cobb, I'd love to see Liv say do it. Uh, yeah. Bring it home twice. Um, it's staged for it. I can say that. The, if the I big answer to Steve Kennedy, Steve Kennedy is always a scary pick in fantasy. He's he's such a wild card. But um, if I had a hint, and and I, I think it's fair to say this, being a fishing guide, like the last time when they fished here, the way the lake was fishing. I would have somebody, somebody actually did ask me. I said, I, I think Lee's going to struggle. It wasn't set up for it. This <laughs> one is set up for a guide. This one is set yeah. up. If, if Lee dials into this, it's, it's almost to be taken from him. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask you. Unless the, lake, unless the lake opens up. So the way it's been fishing, if it's tight lipped like Berkeley, it, it's for his, him to be, ta- you gotta, you're going to have to take it from him. If he dials into that. Um, because the guides intend, you know, some of the roots, they know what to do when it's so bad. Um, and uh, that's going to be the, the key. So, Yeah. I, I was going to actually ask you that. Why do you think Lee stumbled last May? And maybe expand on that. The fish weren't doing what, what they normally would do. They were way off base. They were, I, I can't even say a month behind or a month ahead. They just were way off base. Um, for example, those fish that Cobb ended up running to, I was scrambling 
for my clients, I usually catch those bow spawn fish in 18 to 22 feet of water in a shell bed that was about 150 yards from where Cobb found them in some trees still that had not come all the way out yet. And so once I keyed in on that, I realized, ah, man, you know, I'm out here. What, where are my fish? Where are my big post-spawn fish? The month's right. The date's right. The temperature's right. But those fish haven't come out another 100 yards. They were still suspending the tree. And so because those fish weren't doing traditional things, um, it wasn't for him. He, I knew he was going to go out and try and do all those traditional things. He, he died the first day with a top water. Um, and they weren't doing that. They, they just weren't on that pattern. Now it's so tough that the grind pattern, the running the grind on fork is you know, what catches them, running the brush piles, running the grind bite. And nobody knows how to grind better than, than a guide. And, and I promise you, Lee Livestays was definitely one of our best guys. He's one of our best anglers. So it's staged for the grind bite. And, and if he can keep out of his head, that, that puts him in the advantage. It really was it was too much history, and and the bait hadn't got to where it was supposed to be yet. So the bass weren't where they were supposed to be because the bait wasn't there yet. <laughs> That's exactly right. And see, and Lake Fork will fool you. Lake Fork is so full of stuff that you can be like, for example, I use myself when I was out offshore, about 150 yards from where Cobb found those, caught those fish. Um, we were catching a few. Instead of having a dozen a session, I was having three and four a session. I was saying, where, where are they? Why, why don't I? I did have bait. You know, I just didn't have the right amount. I didn't have the volume of it. And so there's also so much bait and fork. There are multiple species. There's baby stuff that goes by all the time that people think it's shad and it's not. It's baby white bass, baby yellow bass, baby schools of crappie, baby schools of, of all kinds of things. And so you can be fooled and think you're on the bait. And if the bass aren't on that specific, whatever it is, they're not eating. It's a big school of baby brim and they're not eating brim at that time of year. Then waste your time. Um, one thing I can say, will say, and I know the pros know this, is right now the deep bite that's going to come together for November is, is all about yellow bass. And that's those deep yeah. schools of yellow bass. You can get on, if the pros can find some good schools of deep yellow bass. And what I do with my clients this time of year is I take a little sabiki rig, or a real small spoon. I love this tiny little guy right here, the colors on it. Um, and I will actually go fish and make sure they're yellow bats. I'll find them with sonar. Say, okay, there's school. I think those look like yellows. We'll drop and catch a couple. Yes, they're yellows. Then we start deploying Balaban rigs, spoons, and Carolina rigs. Um, and that, again, that's the bite that if somebody gets on it and knows how to milk run it, uh-oh. Because it could be a little bit, it could open the doors. It could open the doors to that 20 to 25 pound sack. Um, you know, the four pound, five pound fat. You could finish limits with those type of fish. So, <laughs> And that, the yellows are what they also call barfish, right? Down there? Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. And that's the kind of bite that, you know, somebody like Keith Combs and Lee Livesey know about more than the people that are just going to show up. So. I love I'm just reading this one. This guy says he burnt supper for this one. <laughs> That's terrific. I did that too this afternoon. I was prepping today for a bunch of things. I'm excited about this show and I put a pizza in and I was, I was getting Alabama rigs out and stuff. Cause I'm going to follow up with a, a lesson. Um, sure. and, uh, I burnt the pizza to crisp, man. <laughs> Fishing's exciting. Isn't it? That's awesome. I can talk. Yeah. To I'm gonna, uh, share my screen here for a second. Uh, I could talk fish until till midnight and not realize it was that late. 
<laughs> yeah, so we have our AOI race coming up here. Um, you guys should be able to see that okay now. So you got David Mullen, who's like five points ahead of Austin Felix, and then he's like Clark, and then it starts to drop. But there's probably, I think, Kyle Welcher and up. So you got about five guys that realistically are still in this. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Clark Wentland is definitely a Texas guy. I'm not sure he's on time on Fork, but uh, how do you feel Fork fishes compared to other Texas lakes in general? Um, it depends on which ones. So, for example, you know, the Bassmaster Classic is going to be on Ray Roberts. Other than the time of year that it's on, that is a brutal, brutal, brutal lake. Um, it's a dangerous lake. It's It's just not known for for good bass fishing it's known for some big fish and, and the bass, the classics are going to have some big, big sacks. Um, but overall, that's a broad question for me. If you're talking about, there's probably 60 lakes all within an hour or two of us. And some of them are small uh-huh. lakes and they're all full of bass. They fish so well, they fish so easy to the three, four, five pound range. Lake Athens, for example, Holbrook, Quitman, Winsboro, man, you can go over and catch fish and have a good time almost all the time. Um, so in retrospect, Fork, it doesn't fish the best. Um, it's why I, there's a lot of times when I'm calling it the Goat Lake uh, that people will say, man, why do you call it the Goat Lake? It's always tough for me. It's always struggles for me. And, and I, again, I call it for the big fish factory, the numbers that it produces, um, the miracles that it can produce. You can get a backlash, and by the time you pick it out, you know, your line has swam off. and. And it's a giant fish. Um, yeah, just, I guess it's like, does, does just being from Texas help Clark Wentland, or is that really not a home field advantage? I guess is what you No doubt, no doubt. I think these Texas lakes. I think the nature of these big fish. I think the nature of the Florida strain. The Florida strain is very finicky, tough bass. If you can get good at catching the Florida strain, the other bass are easy to catch. Yeah, for sure. That just came out. So I love to talk and teach from the hip and conviction, my heart and truth and what I've learned in 40 years of fishing. That just come out of me and it sounded perfect. It's the best way I could say it right there. Get good at catching the F1s and and the Arkansas bass, the Georgia bass. They're easy to catch. Even the Arizona bass, which are the goofiest bass you'll ever find. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Well, I think I'm going to pull up my picks, so let's run in through some picks. We kind of got some of your uh, favorites, and I'm going to kind of run through some of my picks now. So um, go ahead and feel free to comment on any of my picks, uh, and you know, kind of you can get color commentate. Um, so, um, so I've, I've fallen from about 95% down to 90 percentile. So uh, I'm, I'm out of it for the, the overall, but maybe this is you know can still have a good event here and, and win overall. Um, so here's my lineup. Uh, so I'm going to start at the bottom, Bucket E, which obviously the people in Bucket E are not having the year that they want to have. That's why they're in Bucket E, right? This means they're in the bottom 20% of AOI for the season. And we're with one event left. They've obviously had a rough season. Um, for me, uh, like I said, I wanted to kind of pick people that were a little bit lower percentage in some of these buckets. Um you know, there, there are a few guys that, uh, I don't know, there wasn't really anybody that jumped out at me. I feel like Greg De Palma is a Hummingbird 360 guy. He's a guy that really likes to, to do the offshore thing. Uh, so I feel like of the anglers that are in bucket E, he was the one that I felt had the biggest upside. 
Um, you know, if he was going to, you know, he, he may still swing and miss, but he's probably going to commit to that offshore thing. So he probably has some of the best potential to really be a contender for this. Um, obviously any of these guys could get and run that shallow deal, run the creeks and do well. Um, I think in my article that'll be coming out tomorrow, I think I said, John Cruz was my safe pick. Uh, you know, he's got 41, 42% of the angler, or the pot, the, the players picking him. I mean, he's clearly the, the angler that's, I don't know if you want to say the most talented, but has the, the, the most storied resume, the most hardware on the shelf, uh, uh, of everybody in, uh, bucket E. So those are kind of my two that I wrote about my article. Um, I don't know. Is there anything to add or any of these anglers that jump out at you, uh, Mike? Excellent anglers. Again, anything could come from them. There's no doubt. It, I think it's really unique, this sport. Uh, as I watch it, as I get older, I'm almost 50 now. and It's so much like any other sport that they have seasons and they get hot for two or three years and they're not. And they have, you know, ups and downs. And when it's their bite, you're on. And when it's not, they're not. So, again, I like it. I, I think John Cruz, again, the offshore stuff's where, where – it's a do or die, but usually if it do, if it if it's a do, then it's it's the right do. <laughs> Most often they're not. Most yeah, often they're not. And his his big win was on the delta, which was a shallow grass thing. So he's definitely comfortable fishing that pattern that you kind of discussed as what you would kind of do. So yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, that three sixty, like like we talked earlier, is going to be so versatile because they're not going to. If he's good with it, he's not going to waste time casting to pro to to cover that doesn't have what it fish um, doesn't have what it needs, and that's the biggest thing on four because there's so much to throw at everywhere. You can you can waste a lot of time throwing on nothing. Yeah. So moving on to bucket D. Um, I think one guy, if you're looking for somebody that's a real wild card, Brian Schmidt is a heck of a grass fisherman. So if there's a little bit of grass left and that bite is there, he is a sneaky pick. Um, you know, Derek Hudnell's a pretty strong shallow angler. I could see him doing well. Um, I don't know a ton about Randy Sullivan. He's from Breckenridge, Texas. Um, he did well in Gunnersville. Um, but these two guys, you know, Hanselman and, and Livesay, uh, you know, uh, it's hard. I, I, there's no way I can't pick Lee in this bucket. Like you said, if, you know, things are setting up for him, even at 60%, I still think he's worth picking. Um, but the one thing about Ray Hanselman, you know, I mean, I'm sure you know as well as anybody, that guy, the, the Hanselmania is bound to come back at some point and yeah. why not do it at a place like Lake Fork? I mean, that guy, when he is on, he, he is almost unbeatable. Yeah. So, and that's the thing too. It's always about you know. I was going to make a quick comment about Lee. Um, it just hit me that you know he made the same prediction as I eighty eighty. So it tells me his his head's right on the same right thought process. Um, but that doesn't mean it's still a pro level. You've got to execute. Um, and and, and I, I you can make one mistake, one bad day, one bad half a day, one bad fish. Um, there's uh -huh. a there's, there's still four days to execute. So. Um, but it does intrigue it, that that actually intrigues me. No, I just thought about it. I mean, he's on the right page. Um, like I said earlier, he, he's the one to beat. Well, you kind of said 20 pounds a day and Lee said 20 pounds a day. How do you think one gets to 20 pounds? Is it five, four pounders or is it uh, some quality fish and you bust a seven to nine pounder to go with it? it? It's a, it's a, it's a sack of three to five pounders with a couple kickers. Right. So you kind of need to get that at least one big bite a day. Uh, most likely, you know, yeah. at least a, a six, you know, type 
or it's, it's, a, it's it's a sack that's sitting around 16 pounds and all of a sudden uh, well it's right they can't use the alabama rig dead gum it's still a bit in my mind the same you get two fish on an alabama rig that's a game changer you know bam bam right. um, but it's going to be two one to two big fish with a pair of, you know, a, a cookie cutters. So I said I would run. That's why I would run what I run. Normally I'm a big fish swinger. I'm a, I'm a home run hitter, and I will die for it. But even with my clients right now, I'm going to get a few fish, get it under our belt. So I would run for the 12 to 16 pound sack as soon as I might had that mark. Then I'd be looking for two bites. So, so, so I think it comes down to if if Mike was in in the classic cut or he was around the classic, right? He would run his shallow pattern. Till he got a comfortable weight, and then he'd go swing. If you found yourself like Lee, who I don't think could probably make it on points, he's basically got to win it to make the classic. Yeah. So that maybe makes Lee a little bit dangerous both ways from a fantasy perspective and on the water, right? Because there is no incentive for him to go catch 13 pounds. Right. On let, now here's here's the thing I would say that I love it. This is a good conversation. If Lee hadn't already won, then his incentive would be maybe he needs to still get a ten. You know, a, he wants a good check. He wants a fifteen thousand. What are you fishing for? You're not always fishing to win it. You're fishing to feed your family. Well, he just won one, so the bank's kind of good right now. He he's got some options, and he's going to swing for the fence. And, yeah. and uh, so, that's going to put him. That's going to put him doing what I what I think is probably the best option for a guy that it's either going to happen or it isn't. Um, right. do or die but he's going to chase probably, you know, one bite here, two bites here, and go for big fish and try to pick them up. Exactly. Um, and like you said, he, he, he's, he's not poor. He can't make it on points. The only way he makes the classic is pretty much winning the tournament. And then he's a back-to-back. -back, I mean, that's all the, the cards stack for him to fish for the win. So, and that that's could be why, that, that's yeah, why but. he is my pick. I wanted to be clear. It's not because he's a friend or, or local guide here. We do love him. He's a great man. He's a good young man. Um, but th that's what adds up to me. And, and again, he knows he knows what to do when it's like this. Um, I can tell you, in past years, it's, it's even um, if he watches this, he'll laugh. In past years, it's a little frustrating to run into the November, December months because Lee whacks them sometimes, and we just sit there and scratch our heads. And nice. and, uh, and again, the Alabama rigs out of it, but that doesn't mean he knows where they are. And that's the whole part right now of four, because if you don't know where they are, you're in trouble. And um, knowing where they are is, is probably 99% of the factor any given time, anywhere, but – it's uh, it's be interesting still. It's the elites, man. They're all incredible these days. You know, there being a whole brand new name that comes in. We may have five new names on top that we've never heard before. Really, you know, that's what's happening in a lot these, these days. So, yeah, and he's he's got confidence on his side, which is dangerous. So that's it too. And when you know it's a sport, man. Once you start rolling, it, sometimes it's hot. It's 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 the way it works. It just does your confidence and everything. So yeah, yeah. Yep. Before we get into the rest of the rest one of my friends had made a, I noticed that Rich Stringer, one of my good friends there, had put a comment about swim baits on road beds. Yeah. Yes. And that's exactly where I would be throwing the Alabama rigs. You know, if I'm on a guide trip next week, that's what I'm doing. I'm throwing spoons and Alabama rigs on, on road beds, um, deep road beds. I'm finding the right bait fishermen or deep bait. Um, yeah. and, and that can work really, really well this time of year. So. But. You are a spectator this week, right? You kind of like to get off the lake when these big events come. I try and stay out of their way. Um, in the past years, I've learned two things. You know, number one, 
I'm in business, so sometimes I can't afford to do such. When the MLF was here in the spring, it was a hard in my season. I was working six days. I wanted to stay out of their way, and I did my best to. But you know what? They came to us, and I can't. I can only do so much. So this is the end of my season. I can respect it and, and kind of try and stay slim and go to other lakes or stay away from them. Let them have rain of the lake. Um, they're only here one time. You know, let them have, let them do what they do. They're feeding their families. Um, and, and, and so that I tried really hard when the elites were here last time to just stay out of the way um, and everything and practice in there during the tournament. Um, it, it's hard, you know, we're in business. So can I afford to take that time off? That's important. Um, in this case, no doubt I can, it's fall and, and it's time for me to hunt. So I'm grateful to be able to do so. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. Hicks. I think I what do you, what do you, what do you charge for a guide trip? I charge 500 for a full day for two people. I provide everything, all the rods, reels, line, everything you need. Um, and I do 300 for a half a day. Um, just real quick to back up, for example, that I'm still in that, you know, trying to share the water. And when MLF was on the lake, I was in a backwater um, where some bedfish were. And I heard a boat come running in and it was Jacob Parausnik. And yep. uh, he shut down. He saw me back in there and he started to U-turn and I whistled real loud. He looked back and I said, no, bro, I'll move out. I looked at my clients and I said, it's the right thing to do. And we actually pulled out of that pocket and let him go in and watched him fish. It, it just was you know, like I said, they're here one time. They're their show. They're here for a big reason, and uh, to respect them on the water. I hope anybody else that's watching, when you're following them, guys, you stay out of their way. If you want to watch them, the spectators, that's awesome. They do love it. Some of them, but stay out of their way. Them <laughs> do what they do. Yeah, awesome. So before we get into the rest of the picks, I just want to remind you guys: I still have my group. You can still join the Beat Hellabass group for this last event. Even if you haven't played the entire season, you can still fill out a roster this time. You can still win this event week prizes. You can still win the event prizes. So you can still sign up. Um, and that's brought to you by Bass Utopia and Omnia Fishing. Um, and so uh, still a chance to win gift cards and win prizes if you want to join up and play, if you just tuned in and you've never played fancy fishing before. And uh, if you haven't heard of Omnia Fishing, you can, uh, there'll be links in the description below, right next to where Mike's guide website will be down there. There's also codes, uh, Rich Slinger and 15 at Omnia Fishing if you want to save 15% off on some new gear. So, uh, you know, appreciate if you guys support the people that support the stream. And uh, let's get into a little more Lake Fork talk. Um, yeah, a couple quick things if I could add to that. Yeah. And anybody that, that saw this show, if you want to just mention, if you contact me and mention this show, I'll give you a 10% discount um, in the fall fall time i usually discount anyway so if you'll hit me up for november december type trips um if you'll private message me sometimes i put together a, a special super super special package just to, to be able to go on the water still through the day um so keep that in mind and then i'm seeing here daryl wilson yes the 515 think the 515 he's talking about road beds road underwater roads there's a lot of roads on the lake the common ones are the bridge big bridges the big roads and, uh, but the ones that you want to find are the uncommon ones, Daryl. So. <laughs> yeah. David, you asked who's going to win ALI. That's really tough. I'd, I'd really like to see, personally, Austin Felix, who's a guy that's from Minnesota and I've fished against and known for a long time, or Kyle Welcher. Those are the guys that I'll be pulling for. Who's going to win it? Boy, I think it's wide open for any of those top five or six guys. Really, I mean, like you said, this – this lake has the potential to crank them out, but this time of year, it's really easy for anybody to stumble. And Clark Wentland proved that at Chickamauga. So 
I, I mean, if we were going, I mean, like usually when we're ending on the smallmouth lakes and the, the, the northern swing, it's really easy to peg up who's going to like lock it up, right? Like, I think it's really open for those top five, six guys this year. I don't, I don't know that I can, I have guys I want to root for, but I don't know that I can make a call. <laughs> and, and I couldn't answer that. I, I apologize. I don't follow it as close as I used to for one thing. And of course with the new elites, um, a lot of those new names for me are, I haven't been following. So the majority of my friends, John Murray and Brett Hyde, and all those guys have moved on to the MLF. Unfortunately, I wish someone yeah. would have stayed in the elites, but I think I a, few might, I couldn't a, few are, a few of them are working their way back. I don't know if those yeah, guys, they but. are, they are. And uh, for good reason. So, um, yeah. but I, uh, I just don't follow it enough to really be able to say who I think would win angler of the year. Yeah. Austin Felix is definitely one of those young guys. that's a wizard of electronics. So I would not be shocked. You know, he found some brush piles on Sante Cooper that nobody else found. And like, that's the kind of stuff that could pay off enormous on Lake Fork, you know, whether it's a road. You have no idea how many crappie daily crappie fishing trips that the crappie guides show posts of a limited crappie and a one or two big bass that were caught during that special right now. So and that, again, the, knowing where those are, knowing those key spots and, and or putting homework in, um, that's what this one's all about. Put your head down, yeah. light to dark, do your homework, find it. So let's, uh, let's jump into, I think we talked through bucket uh, D, C, what do we do? Yeah, we finished up with bucket D. We both agree Lee's the guy. <laughs> Uh, so bucket C, um, and I don't know, you can let me know if I'm off base here, but I still think Keith Combs is a legit threat on this lake any time of year. Um, other guys to look at, who else did I pick with my long shot was, hmm, see Cliff Perch is in this bucket. And, you know, he's, he's a great angler, and I feel like, he, you know, even though he's in bucket C, he's had a down year, so I would say he's due. Um I think Brandon Carr was the other guy that I looked at. He had a release. I mean, he caught almost 100 pounds last time we were here, and he kind of did that offshore thing. Yeah. So, but I still think, you know, like I said, Keith Combs, he's going to probably commit to that deep bite, and uh, he's he's a scary guy, even at this time of year, I think, on uh, Lake Fork. What are your thoughts? You know, being that, yes, he just knows these lakes so well. He's a power fisherman. If he runs into it, he's going to catch it. Um and it's that time of year where those fish are just starting to school up again. So uh, aside from the turnover period, it's really kind of a – man, it's really open on what could happen right now. I agree that any one of them big heavy hitters, the heavy hitter, big fish type swing guy in Lankford, when they yeah, – you have a little bit of, right, like this, you know, like in the, in the post-bond, you get those fresh fish schooling up. You kind of get that again this time of year, right? It's not probably not as, but you do get kind of dumb fish again sometimes, right? Here's what happens, and it's weather-oriented. It's usually short and sweet. It's a tiny little window. 
Mm-hmm. So what happens is we got August, it's super hot. We finally get September, somewhere in September, October, our first cold fronts hit, lake turns over, has two to three, four, maybe five, six weeks of bad time, turnover. And then it'll finally have just that little wind in them. It may be one week, two weeks, four weeks, depending on how fast we get cold from here. Then generally the, what it is, it's anything below 54 degrees. So right now we're sitting at 60. We're going to warm trend back up to the mid-60s. We're sitting right in that window. The timing is perfect for this tournament. Um, the off base with the moon phase and stuff, we just had our full moon right now, but that's irrelevant. This doesn't really catch them. Um, that's not the only factor in it. So I've seen it before where we get all of a sudden two good weeks where, man, you just, oh, my gosh, it's awesome. Fall feast, you call it, uh, big schools. And then, but it gets cold. And the next cold front knocks it all the way down to 52 degrees, and, man, it's over. They're gone. They disappear. Yeah. So there's this little tiny window, very unpredictable when it's going to be, um, that they fire up and they fall feast. And uh, – they could it could be just right. I'd like to see that's what I said to the very beginning. I'd like to see that because I'd like to see, you know, 70% of the field catch the fish. I'd like to see the ones that win have to win it by catching bigger fish. Right. Um, I'd hate to see when 70% of them can't come, you know, no one's catching them and it's just it doesn't make for a good show for anybody. And I've done it, I'm a guide. It hurts. It hurts to grind like that. So it's part of fishing. You've got to grind. You pay your dues by grinding. Um, but I, I'd love to see the that I'd love to see them hit it just in the window when they fall feast, and um, I want the world to see Lake Fork in November fall feast. So yeah, it's cool. Me too, Tekamar. Me too. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's see here. Yeah, Rich Stringer is he's making me feel good about my uh, Keith Combs pick. So hopefully he's not just uh, making me feel good. I mean, he actually believes it. So. No, again, heavy hitter. It's Lake Fork and the heavy hitter. Anytime you go to a big fish lake and you put a heavy hitter on there, but if he finds it, it's gonna he's gonna hit it. He's gonna knock it out the park. No, will it be a hundred pounds? No way. It'd be a miracle. Um, but it may it, it may be mid eighties, being four days. Yeah. So Mickey, he says I'm at ninety nine point six percent. If you've made it this long and you're almost there, don't listen to me. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I love like here. I love to call it the fall feed bag in Minnesota. So, um, so let's move on to bucket B. Um, so I, I like Zeldane. It's probably maybe a little bit of sentimental pick, but I really like to see him make the classic in his home state. There, this is, you know, we're getting into bucket B. There's a ton, a ton, a ton of really guys that are not only great anglers, but they're fishing well this year. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I could see Stetson Blaylock doing really well. Uh, yeah. you, know, you mentioned Paul and Nick earlier. You know, Cobb, he won here last year. We talked about John Cox. Um, you know, Seth Fighter, he's a great flipper. He loves boat docks. He loves grass. Um, you know, Buddy Gross, offshore specialist, he's he's one of those, you know, big hitters, right? He's not a Texas guy, but he's a little bit like Keith Combs where he could find something really special. Uh, yeah. Brandon Lester that way. Paul Mueller's that way, uh, you know, live scope guy. So, I mean, there's, it's really hard to pick this bucket, but I just want to go with Zeldane more because I want to pull for him more because I want to see him do well. I want to see him catch a couple bigs on a swim bait. And he, he dabbled in that a little bit in May. Uh, so I'd like to see him do some of that in November. And uh, yeah. yeah. And that could be a bite too. Um, if that backwater gets right, um, swim baits in the backwaters, big swim baits in the backwaters could really uh-huh. end up, Yes. Again, that's that window. 
that that we have, and it it's a it could be a, a game that could very well surprise you. A guy like Luke Palmer, he's kind of fishing pretty well, fishing, you know, and, and he, I could see him really getting on that bite you talked about, that that uh, running the coves, running the docks, running the grass between throwing a spinnerbait, throwing a square bill. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy that could really tap into that. Yeah. Junk um, fishing, just junk fishing, yeah. picking the right area to junk fish. And then uh, bucket A, uh, I, I've been on the Kyle Welcher train since we went back south. To me, he survived the up north swing. And he's that kind of guy that doesn't really deer hunt. He fishes year round. Um, and, and I had a hunch that, you know, this fall transition period was going to fit right into his wheelhouse. He's a run and gun. He likes to fish shallow. He likes to flip. He likes to frog. And it's really worked out for me. He's, uh, you know, made almost every top 10 or flirted with every top 10 on the Southern swing. And uh, I think, you know, he's never been to fork, but I just feel like he is doing the right stuff to keep that momentum. And I, I can't not pick him again this week. Um, you know, this is where all your AOI contenders, Clark Wentland, um, you know, and those guys uh, should be, uh, yeah, Clark Wentland's got, you know, 30% percent of the ownership. Uh, not many people looking at Austin Felix, even though he's only what five points back, he's only got 2% people picking him. You know, I think that's probably not fair to him. A, a sneaky guy, I think in this bucket is Taku Itu. He did really yeah. great early in the year. Yes. He did great on small eats. I think and he's the guy that could the, find something really special on fork. Absolutely. And there the 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 techniques and things that he's capable of pulling out something so different. He absolutely he could surprise you. Yep. I, I definitely think Austin is undervalued in this bucket for sure. I I think he is legit like just as good a chance to any of those top five guys to bring this home. And, and so is somebody like David Mullen, you know, he's a cranker been doing the right things this year. I mean, obviously all these guys have gotten here because they're making good decisions and fishing well. And I don't think you could. That's what it's all about too. And like I said before, like, yeah, I'm pulling for Austin and, and Welcher, I think, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see any of them win it to be Austin. You know, so, um, how could you not pick Wentland? I don't know. He's, he, I guess the thing about Wentland, he's probably has the least amount of momentum right now or confidence. You know, he, he was probably feeling really well. Uh, you know, he was doing the things he needed to through all his events. And then he kind of, you know, he finished, you know, 80th or whatever on uh, Chickamauga. So that, that kind of, you know, fishing is very mental and that, that can be hard to overcome. I mean, that's saying, it can, yeah. Not to and, cut you off, but sometimes it, it can just a road rash can take the sail right out of you, um, it, or take the wind right out of your sail. Um, it, it is exhausting, it is emotional, both in every which way good, bad weather. Um, I'm telling you that if nobody, if a guy hasn't done it, he hasn't actually gone out, and I don't necessarily mean compete at that intense triple a or pro elite level just uh-huh. think of think of it this way if you have gone out camping for a weekend friday saturday and a sunday and you came home sunday exhausted and monday morning when you went to work your boss said boy you look tired and you said i had a long week camping on the weekend 
All right. Well, that's every day, five, six days a week, seven days a week. Sometimes that's their li- that's what their life is. As soon as they're done and they're driving now 2,000 miles somewhere, 1,200 miles a day, the road rash and the whole deal is outrageous. you got no idea what they go through. So, yes, when you start into a downward spiral, everything from organizing your boat, your equipment. Uh, I've seen roles in the past like – I hate to say this, Ranger Boats had bearing issues for a lot of boats for 2004, five, six. I've seen just simply bearing issues, throw a guy off the side of the road, throw him out of his run, throw him out of his loo. Um, I really have. I, it's So there's it, a lot of things going on in there always at, at that top level. Um, yeah. And, and I think- when you have a race like this one is, it's it makes it that much harder to predict. No one's running away with it. Um, it's 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 just in, who's the mule? Who's the mule right now? And can continue to produce for four more days. Yeah, and who's who's more prepared for the grind? The young guys or the guy that's seen it all before, right? So I guess that's the question. That's right. Uh, yep. And, and and I feel like a little bit Clark was kind of getting by. Like he had some real struggles on Gunnersville, and he kind of like just found something just in the nick of time and caught him. And I don't know if that's the meant to be factor or does that show that he was, he was falling off. I, I don't know. It's, you could, you could read it either way. So you could read it either way. And, and again, a guy like that is so incredible that all of a sudden, you know, you just could find one little piece of popcorn in, in, in the trail and it turns everything around and the momentum changes instantly. And, and it's, it's really, it, it's a, it's a train that, that maybe ain't doesn't fueled up right now, but it could certainly be fueled up. So. Yeah. And I mean, I've had many times where even just with my gut, um, compare it with clients where it's one in the afternoon and I've only got a couple hours left and I am exhausted and I can't give up because I've got a couple hours. And I tell myself, I wish I could go home, but you know, all right, I haven't fished that spot over there. I got two more the heck we're gonna go kill an hour the heck with it and i pull up on a point and thong, 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 you know, i never saw it coming um it's just that variable <laughs> with a clock with somebody that's at that level you know, it's coming yeah. so bill gibson says uh, being mentally tough will beat physical or being younger well i think the thing we have to worry about is that some of these young anglers are both right they're both physically and mentally tough i guess <laughs> so we'll We'll see if and Clark- they're taking this very seriously as an athlete and they are eating healthy and they're drinking the right things. And, you know, when I was young in my days, we'd go to fish the U.S. Open and, or whatever, and, and guys would go party in Vegas and drink beer till midnight still. And, you know, two of them were hungover, not didn't end up entering the tournament. Da, 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 da. No, no, this is, again, they're there to feed their families. They're going to be serious. And these young ones are literally primed healthy stamina that will run circles around the old schoolers. Um, and they have the mental capacity to do to grind. They know it's a grind and that's what they do best. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think, I think my, my, uh, I think I had like 87 or 89 pounds for my, my winning weight. So I'm, I'm a little more optimistic, a little more hopeful to see it. Uh, it's probably a little if bit. It of- opens up, if it opens up just a little bit, you'll be right. If the backwater, and I'll say it this way, if the if it opens up, it means the backwater fish will move in, and they'll be catching fish in the backwaters. If they're catching fish in the backwaters, you're going to see a little better sack. If the backwaters are sour, it's going to be a long tournament. <laughs> it's going to be a long tournament. There's only going to be a handful of guys that get on it. Yeah. 
Mickey says, tally, hot, hot, hot. Yeah, I definitely can see him throwing that Thunder Cricket and uh, catching some quality fish on the Thunder Cricket for this event. Yep, yep. No doubt. Again, though, it's going to be very specific. It's not all over. You're not going to have 20 guys throwing the Thunder Cricket with 20 sacks. You're going to have one guy who found a hole, a ditch, a drain, something mm-hmm. that was just with a stack of fish in it, and he's going to catch do you think uh, anglers will have to manage their fish in this event? Yes. And it potentially, the fish are going to be moving. They'll be gone. They'll catch them on one day. They'll be gone the next. But, like, you're, this isn't like June Texas Fest back in the day where uh-uh. a couple of people uh-uh. sit on a spot and just wail on. Uh-uh. If you get 19, 22 pounds, you better go look for new water. You better manage those fish. You better... They said if you're running brush piles, you don't want to take more than two fish per brush pile because that's only going to hold three, four, five big, you know, you pull up on one brush pile and catch one big fish off of it, catch a seven or eight pounder, just leave it. Don't, don't fish that brush pile anymore because mm-hmm. there probably isn't another one there. But, yeah, it, it's – um, you're going to definitely have to manage your fish. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bono Fishing asks, since the autumn, Matt Robertson won on Cherokee, that is a classic entry – Yes, he, so as long as he finishes the season, I don't remember if that was the last one or not, but that puts him in the 2021 Classic on Ray Roberts. That does not qualify him for an elite invite. He has to finish in the top four in the points to get that elite invite. So he's got a uh, – I think he's in good position to do that, but he still has to finish, I think. Um, so yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Does the timber and fork play a big role for anglers that know the ins and outs after practice they know? Or after practice, do they know? I'm sorry. Does the timber and fork play a big role for anglers? Well, there's no doubt the timber plays a massive role. Um, the timber tends to play the most role under high-pressure situations, and I don't mean fishing. I mean high conditions, high barometer. Uh, when you have high barometer, high-pressure bluebirds, guys, they're tight tight to the wood they're tight to the docks they're tight to the posts and they're tight to the timber the other time timber is they love to suspend in it um if i may kind of refer you to watch some of my youtube channel the, the lake fork i've got a few lessons in there about also bedrooms and kitchens and so as these lakes in texas are beginning to remove grass they're removing the grass by spraying the fish now have to kind of live a little different and they're living in the trees they're finding big deep trees offshore and they're suspending and living in those like a fish tank locally somewhere near them within a quarter mile to a mile they will feed windblown points windblown banks shorelines with shells shell beds breaks points anywhere that that food is available and so it really creates a bedroom kitchen scenario bedroom kitchen i could show you a lot of times there fish are sitting in the wood and there's a shell bed 50 yards away. We can't catch them out of the wood because that's the bedroom. They just won't bite there. We get a bite an hour in the wood. We go wait till the shell bed. When they come to the shell bed to feed, we catch them, you know, a dozen an hour instead of a bite an hour. And that's yeah. a kitchen bedroom, kitchen bedroom aspect. Um, again, that's something that a guide would know on fork. We're not any, well, not everybody, even a study, not even a study is going to really put that together as well as a long time of experience of realizing if I sit on this spot long enough, something's going to come eat here. Um, Some of that's going to come to play. Uh, And that again is more and more. I see that more and more as the the grass is lessening in any of these lakes. Um, The shepherd seems to be the new evolution. 
Brian, I believe this is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday tournament. It starts on the 5th. So this is the traditional Thursday through Sunday, four days in a row. Um, see here are the elites dropping guys for the new qualifiers coming in uh no they announced this year because of it being covid and the pandemic in a weird year they announced i forget like right before they like restarted uh the schedule that they were not going to drop anybody this year and everybody would be invited back so a couple guys may drop up for financial reasons or something like that but uh, everybody will be invited back to the elites plus the new 12 anglers from the opens and then potentially the Bass Nation national champion and potentially the classic champion uh, if all well, that wouldn't happen. No. So it would just be the, yeah. So there could be uh, 12 or 13 new anglers on top of the field already. Which is good. They've needed that. Normally they're 99, the elite 99, the hundred and they're a little short. So it'll be good to fill that back up. There's a little more money in the pot for everybody. Uh, he, when he was talking about the timber, he was talking more about the navigation. The navigation. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I, that's why I didn't quite understand right. what you mean by that. So I still don't understand 100% what you mean. So the timber. So I think he's saying like, is that being familiar with fork, is that going to be a big advantage for people getting around and covering water? I think is what he's asking. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, you know, again, you make some of them make calculated risk. There's some areas that there's no such thing as a calculated risk. You're going to shut down and idle and bump and, and four wheel drive to get in. Um, but there's also some some areas that that you can run into and eliminate a 15 20 minute idle. Um, and if you know how to do that, your your time, your consumption of time can change. Livesey is going to do that. Livesey is going to be able to run into some backwaters that that just no one else can do and run in and out. There'll be some other guys that do it as well. Um, lake's two feet low right now, so calculated risks are going to be slim. Um, yeah. David Douglas has how much pressure the lake been having. So how many boats were in the Berkeley last week or the week before? It was down. Um, there was, uh, if I remember right, um, there was 1,100 anglers. So if you cut that in half, that's about how many boats, two anglers per boat generally. So somewhere around 500, 600 boats. Normally that has about 900. Um, so it was down. It was down due to COVID. It was down due to, to even the fishing. Everybody in practice realized this was going to be a ruthless one. Um, and most of the time that Berkeley is. The McDonald's, the Sealy event the month before is usually a little better. We have some at 15 overs this year, 25 overs a year before. Um, usually it's right in that window, right before we get hit with the turnover. The Berkeley is always on the turnover. And it's always tough. Hmm. Um, this one was down, real down. Yeah. And then did you say deer season starting up? So that might help alleviate a little boat pressure. A ton of the ton of it. The lake is so quiet. It's amazing. Um, you get a lot of, even a lot of the fishing guides turn to duck hunting guides, deer hunting guides. Um, in the Texans, they love to hunt. They love to hunt. So you've got oil field guides are hunting now instead of fishing. And, and the lake just really does become it's, – it's my favorite time. November is my favorite time of, of, uh, to be here. Now, of yeah, course, Gabe's checking in. He's on vacation. He said he's definitely going to check the playback. He says he appeared to be a great guest. And I, uh, that's, that's good. Um yeah, good call, Brian. You can always check out the podcast version at work. Uh, I'll have that up tomorrow. Um, do the bridge pilings ever hold quality fish? Yes. There's no doubt. It's timing. 
time of year, generally for the bridge pilings, what I look for is when the crappie are on the bridge pylons, the small yeah. crappie. Um, if you see the crappie fishermen having success with big keeper crappie, um, then there's probably some giant, giant bass, teenage class fish. But generally, it's when the, the smaller crappie are on there, then the, they're loaded with bass. You bet. Yeah, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, the one bass that was caught in November, that was Ethel, right? Yeah. And that was caught off a bridge by a crappie fisherman. That's right. An eighteen or seventeen pounder, right, or something like that. Eighteen three, I think. Or no, she was yeah. she. Ethel was seventeen something, if I remember. Yeah, right. she was high seventeens when she was caught. Then she got to be eighteen something in captivity, I think, something like yeah. that. Yep, and that was caught by Mark Stevenson. Beautiful fish, and yep. Yeah. Um, so, Jose, what's up, buddy? He asks, uh, "What do you think big bass will be this week?" If you had to guess. Ah, uh, somebody's going to catch a 10 pounder. There'll at least be one 10 pound fish. Nice. Um, there'll at least be one that I say maybe two, um, but there'll at least be one double digit fish. Uh, I, I would almost bet on that. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Like you said, it's probably, it, it, it's, you said the lake is quiet. But it's still probably, I mean, it's quiet for Fork, but it's still a ton of boats out there. <laughs> it's the highest pressured lake in the world. Um, it gets the most volume of pressure, no doubt. Um, I mean, it's got to be right up there with Gunnersville and those lakes. I mean, right on par. And if you add the crappie fishermen, the cat fishermen that are out there now, the local fishermen that, again, there's a lot less locals now because they're hunting, but it is definitely, it gets you share pressure. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Uh, so let's just cover quick. I don't. I mean, we talked about uh, Mike McFarland at the lake. What is the best way for people to get a hold of you? Like, how do people reach out to you? Um, you can private message me. You can call me straight at my number six zero two eight two six one five two four. I don't mind that direct calls. Um, typically, if I'm with clients, I will not answer. So just leave me a message. Um, but you can find me on Instagram, thelakeforkguide.com. My web. Uh, my website is two different accesses to it, mcfarlandfishing.com or thelakeforkguide.com. Um, I have a, also a Facebook business page, which is The Lake Fork Adventures Guide Service. Um, and then, of course, my regular Facebook, which is full. I got 5,000 friends, Mike McFarland's. Don't try and find me there. It's, it's pointless. I do share a little more fun stuff there, personal life things there, but the fishing uh -huh. stuff is Lake Fork Adventures Guide Service, the Lake Fork Guide on Instagram, the Lake Fork Guide on YouTube. You'll see more than you need right there. Yeah, and if, if, you didn't, if he didn't convince you that he knows a little bit about Fork tonight, just go watch a couple of videos of his and uh, you'll know. <laughs> I love the lake. I'd like to, you know, if we're getting probably near the end, I want to share a really cool story with you that yeah. put the fans in for me. So, um, I had a lifetime of fishing on the West Coast, 40 years. I was guiding there, and, and I guided for just anything, all, any and all freshwater species. I even took people carp fishing, flathead catfishing, seven species of trout, on and on. And I'd never fished Lake Fork. Um, I fell in love with Lake Fork tackle lures, Ronnie Parker, and Mr. Mark Pack. Mm -hmm. So in 2010, I got to come visit Lake Fork for the first time, and I come fish with Mr. Mark Pack. And this is a true story, but it was unique. I bring my friend Paul Matthews, who's a 69-year-old man and uh, kind of a grumpy old man. Um, I'm glad that this happened for him. But one of the days that we fished with Mark, Mark drove us into this set of cedar trees. And he 
he, he says, always count these trees. One, two, three, four. And I know that my friend Paul was wanting to look at him and say, who are you calling boy? You know, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm the oldest person on this boat. But we listened and we, he says, don't you dare throw to that fourth tree. Throw to these three trees right here. Yes, sir. You know, and we proceed to throw these three cedar trees and put a bee down on these Lake Fork bass all the way up to seven pounds. And in the, it just, it was astronomical. In the morning we had had 14 fish. And he said that was no good. In the afternoon, he's going to drive us to three trees and you're going to have the best fish in your life. So we experienced the best fishing of our lives on three trees, just beating these bass down. It lulls. When it finally lulled, this is about 45 minutes. Mark says to my friend Paul, hey, Paul, do you have a good heart? <laughs> my friend Paul said, pardon me, sir, I don't understand what you're saying. And Mark says, your heart, is your heart healthy, son? Paul said, my God, I'm old, but I ain't dead. And Mark said, okay, then go ahead and throw to that fourth tree. <laughs> my buddy threw to that fourth tree and on call caught an 11-pound, 7-ounce Lake Fork stud. And I looked at Mark Pack when that was all said and done, and I said, sir, you can call it. And he said, Michael, once you paid your dues on this lake, you will be able to call it from time to time. I knew that big fish lived in that tree. He said, I'd we'd have thrown to it right away. All the other fish would have got on those baits. She'd have got alerted. So I wanted to catch all those fish until they got beat up. Then she was vulnerable. And so it's really unique. And, and I do that to a degree now. I haven't had any call it double digits um, like that. Um, but I've had my share of call it bags, big fish. I tell them, hey, look, throw here. Uh, you watch some of my shows, you'll see I talk about a V. Um, I'll paint it out for my clients where land in the V that I've drawn for you and get ready. You can catch a big one. And I'm going to tell you, that's the coolest feeling as a guide when pile they, they hit that big fish like that. So those fangs were put in me by Mark Peck in 2010 to be able to take an angler and tell him, sir, throw right here and hang on. You're going to get your arm ripped off. <laughs> oh, Lake, sorry. Lake Fork will do it. 15 feet left, and you're like, nope, reel it in. You need to cast right. <laughs> and that happens sometimes, too. It does. Sometimes you can be just one foot off, and, and that bigger fish is not going to go get it. But, yep, no, that's what we do best. I love to take people fishing. Uh, I love more to see them catch fish. Yeah, that's awesome. So what? Uh, how busy – I mean, how many days of the year are you guiding? Like, uh, so February through July, I'm six days a week. I do not guide on Sundays. Um, I, I rest on Sundays and I pay respect to the Lord. So I do not guide. I don't mean I can't fish and stuff with friends or picnic, but I just don't make money. I don't guide on Sundays. The rest of the year being August, September, October, November, um, I'm a, probably about 50%. And only because there's not that much traffic. Um, Again, it's when I hope the elites really showcase the world that now you got a lot of eyes on it. I hope they catch them well. Um, the lakes, all lakes go through ups and downs and funks. There's nothing wrong with a little tough fishing window in the summer, late summer, fall. Um, I would like to see a little more business for all of us here in November and December. Um, it fishes a little slower, um, but it, it, again, there's less traffic and it is fun out there. And it, My dad said something to me years and years ago. He said real clear. He said, son, nobody said fishing was catching. And if you have to catch to have fun fishing, then fishing ain't for you. Fishing is the fun part. Catching is the bonus. In the old days, we went fishing for food. We didn't catch. We didn't eat. Yeah. You know, 
today that's not why you're there. So remember why you're there. Enjoy the whole thing. If you enjoy the scenery, you enjoy the boat, the comradeship, the nice equipment, then all that other stuff just kind of falls in play. And, and you tend to find more success than when you all shouldered up forcing it saying, I got to catch a fish or I'm not going to enjoy the day. Um, and, and again, you asked a question about clients in the beginning. 90% of them are just there to have a good time, be treated, yeah. right, be treated right, respected, um, and put first. That's it. They're, your waitress doesn't sit down and share your bacon when she serves you breakfast. So your guide, in my opinion, shouldn't be catching the fish from your fishing hole that he took you to. That doesn't mean he doesn't catch one with you, maybe a fish with you, have fun with you, teach, etc. But he goes into a spot, catches 10 of the fish, and leaves you with two. That That's like taking you to Dunkin' Donuts, and he ate all the donuts. <laughs> You're not going to guide me to Dunkin' Donuts no more, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Follow him. So uh, there's a really unique deal about being a fishing guide. I think it takes a, an individual character um, to do it. And, and I recommend if you come to a place like Fork, that you pick multiple guides throughout the years if you're going to do it. There's more than one way to skin this cat. And, mm-hmm. and you can see some different things. You're going to have a little different character and learn. That's probably the best point, my point. Learn something when you're out there. If you learn something, you make yourself a better fisherman. And those are my best rewards. When you know, I have a good day with a guy like yourself, we catch some fish, we teach you something. But two months later, you text me or show me a picture of something you learned with me and improved your fishing that you took someone else and now that we just made we made this be this yeah absolutely that's awesome yeah i I really feel like your channel uh you know it's very fork centered but you're very similar to me where i like my tagline in in my videos is to help you catch more bass and suck less so uh that's you know i'm not not here to do you know fishing challenges and weird things and i really just want to show you how I catch fish and hopefully give people nuggets that they can take home and, and catch That's fish it. too. That's um, exactly it. Yep. I'm not trying. I mean, I do my share of, of talking about things for you to purchase and buy, but you can tell I'm not pushing it. I'm not trying to sell it. I don't make any percentage off anything that I do tell you that my rod line, there's no, I don't make any money on that. Um, it's what I truly use. And, and for me, for Mike McFarland, I am best, and I've learned this. I'm almost 50 years old. When I have conviction, when it's real, when it's truth, then I can look you in the eyes until you need to use this. I do. Yeah. I'm not capable of, of of putting much conviction behind, you know, BS. Just not. <laughs> yeah. Sycamore says he'd, he'd rather spend four hours on a boat and not catch anything than take a double bogey on a par four, he says. It happens. Trust me. The last few weeks, I'm very honest. You go back and look and you'll see not many guys will tell you when they zero. I would be on the last probably 10 God trips that I've had, man. We've had a hard time catching even a handful of fish, let alone onesie twosies. Um, there's been a couple of zeros in, in amongst it where the clients didn't catch fish just last Saturday, yesterday. Birthday gift from a grandson. 80-year-old man, what a nice man. He showed up. He's excited to fish with me. We have breakfast together. He buys me breakfast at 11 o'clock. I looked at him, and I said, sir, this lake's fishing so tough. Here's what we're going to do. I said, do you remember when you were in school playing football in recess class, and one of the kids said, do over, restart, we're going to do over? Well, that's what we're going to do. I said, this is so unfair. I said, fishing's fishing. And a lot of times I can't afford to just, you know, I work four hours with you right now. But this was a birthday gift to you, sir. So I want to pretend. Let's go in. We'll have lunch. You go home. And we'll pretend that this didn't happen. We just met each other. And we had a duel. You recall me and schedule for that 
redo this trip when things are right. Um, I felt so good about doing that. That's what a good guide does. Sometimes, you know, you got to take the good, take the lick of salt when you, when it happens. But in that case, it was a birthday gift. So that's what I did. They wouldn't even bite the, the purple power worm out. Huh? Wouldn't. It's amazing. And, you know, as a guy, that's the frustrating thing. You're like, you're having memories pop up. I had a, the, the greatest memory that popped up in the last couple of weeks was one of the probably the worst because the clients were thanking me for getting them on fish during the turnover. And the turnover is so bad. And they were, you know, that's what their commentary was, was, man, thank you, Mike. Even during the turnover, he still got us on all these great fish. And I'm sitting there scratching my head going, and I, man, I wish I could do it again. <laughs> I'm doing everything right. Um, you know, and then of course, just off a whole other subject, back to the, that, live scope and all that some of my friends that do have it are telling me mike they're there and i mean all they are i'm seeing them on my down scan i'm seeing them on my side scan i'm fishing where they are that's what i do best Um, without too much arrogance because i'm not an arrogant guy to display some serious confidence that's something i guarantee as a guide i guarantee that you're safe you're going to enjoy you're going to be treated right but I also guarantee you that I put the boat where they are. If you throw a stick of dynamite, you're going to go OMG 90% of the time when you're with Mike McFarland. Whether they open their mouth and we put them in the boat, that's a whole different game. But I'm, sure. best, I'm best at putting that boat where they are. It's what I do best. That's what makes a get fishing guide. And so they can be real frustrating when you know they're there. And, and I guess it's like putting your three-year-old in a, high, in a high chair and you've got all the baby foods out and they will not open their mouth. <laughs> no matter how much you airplane and make rub, boat noises. Yes, but you can have the butterscotch. It don't matter what you got. They ain't open their mouth. You just open their mouth. Bottle <laughs> uh, Fishing asks, I think you, you have a list of lakes you guide on. It's mainly Fork, but do you do like Athens and some of the other ones or? Uh, yes, I actually do. I guide on Athens. I guide on seven surrounding lakes. Um, including Sam Rayburn. I will do Sam Rayburn, but it must be multi-day only, and it's scheduled more than advanced time. Um, Three-day minimum on Sam Rayburn. I do Lake Athens. I do Quitman. I do Holbrook. I do Lake of the Pines, which is one of my favorites. I love that lake. It's a beautiful lake. Um, it's all pine trees for the whole lake. Just gorgeous. You talk about a scenery. If you can't enjoy that boat ride in that lake, you're, you're missing out. Um, I there were two power plant lakes that were really good, Monticello and Lake Welsh. They've closed Monticello, unfortunately. Um, so we still do Lake Welsh. Um, and that's a lot of fun. Um, I really will push that one in, in December, December, January, because what I'll do is I'll sell you a half day or a full day trip steal. We'll run to the power plant lake, fish the morning there, get our arms cooled, catch some fish up to four pounds, and then fish the fork in the afternoon and hope for that one big giant Sherlunker bite. Cool. It's a really fun, really fun trip. Yep. So it sounds like if a if a, a guy if a guy that's a little bit serious wants to brave little elements and beat the crowds mid November to Christmas come down you probably don't have to book way out in advance you can be a little bit last minute you can you know you got some vacation time to burn it's a good time absolutely. to look at it's absolutely you're right you're spot on and definitely openings um, it's a good time to even pull your own boat down because there's less traffic. Um, right. spend a day spend a day with me or a guide on the lake 
Um, even if I'm booked, I do refer to a handful, a half a dozen really good guys that I work with. Um, spend one day with a guy in this lake. That's the thing I, I'd like to make sure I tell you. If you spend one day and you listen to what the guide teaches you, of course, one of the reputable gods, after that, you don't have to fear Lake Fork. So many people fear bringing their own boat to Lake, their own boat to lake Fork. One day with a guide gets you the guide lanes, and you'll be very comfortable. You'll know what to do, and you can fish Lake Fork on your own. Nice. Yep. Good tip. We used to do that all the time back in the day. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, this is almost two hours, uh, and uh, I enjoyed it. Like I said, we could probably get another two hours, but uh, Sunday night. Like I told you when I started, I before we actually hit the live button, you know, I, we got to talk, and I, I, I'd be here till midnight. I just, this is probably what I love the most. Um, when I was with Lucas Oil, I, I really thought at some point they were going to make me their head spokesman. Um, maybe they'll come back around and do that because I just love to talk fishing. So you can fly me all over the world, and I will never stop talking about fishing. <laughs> so I'm not addicted. I'm afflicted. <laughs> yeah, same here. I mean, this this is the normal. Like, honestly, the people that that have, have watched the live streams have been part of my channel for a while. No, this is this is the normal. Like, we're like, oh, yeah, we'll talk about this. And, we, you know, an hour or two hours later, like, yeah. Gary, I was on with Gary Dobbins last week, and we, we went over two hours easy, and then, like, we could have went. Gary. Yeah. Gary is one of my great fr greatest friends. In fact, when I received my uh, Sportsmanship of the Year award through the One Bass, um, I had been disqualified on day one of the U.S. Open from my co-angler not having a fishing license. Mm. And it was really, really uh, – kind of a, a bummer um but it ended up being a very beautiful thing and, and gary was one of the ones that kind of kind of pushed through all that with me it was neat so great man right there he is yeah yeah so great well, i appreciate you thank you so much for having me yeah we i think we covered everything if you missed any of it uh, all the links to his youtube channel and, and and his website will be down in the description below as long as discounts to omnia and 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 all that stuff and the podcasts are coming up so uh, cool. uh, we'll look forward to talking to you and look for ways we can interact in the future, Mike. I, I took a chance. I, I was pretty sure you were going to be a good guest based on seeing your channel. And, uh, and I don't think I was wrong. And I think the, the viewers appreciate it. So thank you very much. Hey, sometime if you're ever around, we ought to go fishing together. We'll go on me. No charge. Yeah, I would love to. I, I got to get back down there and uh, maybe I'll, I got to get down and visit my dad on Falcon. So maybe I'll, hey, I know Falcon too. Now I know I I know Falcon. I only guide Falcon in the summer. If you can get me to go down there, it's so doggone hot, and I'm getting too old for it. But I have 43 waypoints of the offshore rock piles in Falcon. Mm -hmm. I, I even have the rock, the waypoint of where Paul Elias caught all those big fish and the big worms. Um, and sometimes in the middle of summer, I'm going to tell you, you talk about some beatdowns. But it's yeah. 100. It's 140,000 degrees down there, and, and uh, it's hard to go down there anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. We'll definitely keep in touch. Hey, hey yep. thanks, everybody. Make sure if you're new to the channel, like, comment, subscribe, and as always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. Appreciate you, man. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. <laughs>